ElectroCast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Let's go ahead and jump into it. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another amazing episode of Ringside with Ray and Prince. Today, we have Mr. Mike Wilson, NFL legend, mm-hmm. Washington State legend, mm-hmm. all around great guy, coach, player, and a uh, mentor to so many. Uh, so, man, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey. You are having this conversation. You know, yes. you know, see, I get excited when we have, uh, you know, former NFL guys and, and, and legends, <laughs> especially when you're <laughs> Hello, hello, Mike. Did he just really put up this this Cowboys cup? I saw. Hey man, I, I, I'm just sitting back. I saw that Cowboy. I'm a former Cowboy, by the way. The Cowboys brought me into the NFL, so I, I I got a little bit of love for him. But they also let me go, and I went to the right team, so it's all good. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's perfect because b- before we we go back to your inception, uh, I want to jump into that real quick. How did it feel? to get drafted by somebody and then get let go or traded to another team. Hey man, that's, 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 that's life. You know, it's life and is, 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 is humbling. And yet, uh, you know, the sacrifice and the work that all young men put in the, from high school to college to the pros. Uh, hey man, I tried to do the best I could bring my A game yeah. and, and, uh, you know, the Niners. I mean, the, shoot, the Niners, the Cowboys drafted two wide receivers my year. Mm. One in the second round, me in the ninth. And honestly, that year uh, in training camp, in preseason, I let the team in catches. But they come into week four, I was I was released and they kept the other guy. And uh, so that was a surprise. In fact, somebody came and said, hey, man, bring bring your playbook. Go see Coach Landry. Mm. And I'm thinking he going to tell me something good. Hey, man, I, I should have known. That was my naivety back then. Uh, he said, hey, man, it's a numbers game. and we're going to have to let you go. But, uh, you know, fortunately for me, you know, before I even got on the plane, uh, the 49ers had called me up and I flew to San Fran and they signed me and cut uh, James Owens, uh, Matt Booza, uh, Spider Gaines. And I sat in that locker room for about an hour, two or three hours, man. And they, they let all those other guys go and sign me, right? Just uh, sight unseen, just one one workout. So that's part of the game, and you can't allow others to – obviously, they have the power and the control, but I just want an opportunity to play. And uh, thank goodness for, you know, rest in peace, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh and, and Sam Weiss, uh, 
saw something in me that gave me an opportunity to come and play with the 49ers. And once I, once I made the team, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up. Well, you, you know, you know, Prince, the, the Cowboys have made a lot of mistakes at, at receivers and not <laughs> the right person, Randy Moss. <clears throat> Cowboys seem like they making the same mistakes over and over again. Hopefully they'll make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> hey man, I'm, I, 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 you know, they still got to come through, through San Fran. Now you see right behind me, they're going to have to still come through San Fran and, and uh, the, the the Cowboys, uh, you know, because they even if they finish with the same record, they have to come to San Fran because they lost to them. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, but you know, the team that, that that's you know dominating in the NFC right now, you got Philly is the place. And yeah, we will see a week from today the 49ers yeah. go to Philly, and we'll we'll see who's the top dog Ooh. in the NFC West because you go to the AFC. Hey man, you know I'm, I I love Kansas City, but in Miami's balling, and there's a few other teams that are Baltimore. Up, Baltimore, let's go. Hey man, Baltimore. Hey, you got to speak for your team, man. Huh? I'm a I fan do. when it comes to watching AFC. Yeah. I just know that uh, you know Kansas City's doing well, and they won. You know they they won it last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see why they wouldn't win it uh, this year as well. So. I'm looking forward to that, man. All right, man. So, well, had to get that out because, you know, because I wanted to know that sentiment. And, that and he, he had to show me the, the, the Cowboy Cup, so it's all yeah. good. So, you know, it comes, yeah, out every, it comes out every show, especially when we win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy it. Exactly. Got trouble. Right. So, Mike, tell us, tell us, what, what, what did you, where your humble beginnings began, man? How did you get this work ethic? How did you understand that uh, you can't control everything, but the one thing that you can control is yourself. Where did that come from? Did that come from your parents? Did that come from your environment? Where did you grow up? And where you know where are you from? You know, for, for me, it was uh, a different story. Hey, man, I was I was out of all the sports, the the least I like was football. I was I was you know coming out of high school. I, I was starting high school. I was all American in basketball and football coming out of my senior year. And uh, the football coach at Carson High School, Carson Colts, they, uh, you know, were a dominant team back in the day. Uh, the head football coach came to me and said, hey, Mike, if you come out for football, I guarantee you a scholarship. OK, so let me tell that, add a little to that story. My oldest brother, Keith, was uh, was in medical school. My parents could not, I think, afford to pay for him in medical school and me coming into college. I was two years behind him. And he said, when when he said a, a scholarship, that was music to my ears. That was my motivation. That's what made me want to come out and and, and play football, even though, hey, man, like any football player, they'll never admit it. I didn't want to get hit, man. I was I was honestly scared to death out there, man. I'm like, what am I doing? But, you know, once my 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 discipline to learn the, the skills and techniques needed to play a position, Allowed me to ascend to all of a sudden, man, my senior year in high school, man. And remember, you know, back in the 70s, late 70s, when I came out, uh, everybody was running the ball. It was Veer, you know, it was Wayne, it was I teams. And, man, my senior year in high school, man, I caught, I had 26 catches for 13 touchdowns. And that coach was going to run the ball, did not want to throw it, and threw the ball to me on third down in eight and ten. And so I was going up catching them, you know, you said Randy Moss, man, I used to go up and catch the ball and or catch it and then break a tackle and score a touchdown. And I'm like, uh, fast forward to college. That's what made me say, man, I ended up going to Washington State because they were really the only team in, 
on the West Coast on the bar. Everybody was in the running the Veer, the Otis Brown, uh, you know, uh, Charles White, Marcus, all them guys, man. They all were running the just running left and right. And Washington State uh, played with the Thorn Samoan, Jack Thompson. That's before your day, Prince. Uh, before your two, Ray. Uh, he was a uh, first round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, but was was the one team that threw the ball in the pack. And 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 George Ravlin, the football basketball coach, said, "Hey, come on up. I want you to play basketball." Which was, in hindsight, the old okey doke to get me to come there, because once I showed up for basketball my freshman year, like, "Hey, man, JV's practicing over there." But it all worked out, man. You know, I put my four years in, and Rays Cowboys drafted me, and that didn't work. And I went to the Bay Area with San Fran, and my mom and dad were from uh, the Bay Area, Berkeley. So I was a California guy. So San Francisco was a perfect match for me, man. And I had no idea I would put in ten years and win four Super Bowls and play with the great Joe Montana. So it was, it was, it was, it was fun. That, that was that's funny, Mike, that you talk about. You know, back then, high school football and everybody was was running the veer. Uh, when I played, we were running the wishbone. I, I played running back, mm-hmm. running, <laughs> running the wishbone. Yeah. And mm-hmm. very rarely did we ever throw the ball. It was like mm-hmm. third and long. But for you to come out and be able to get a scholarship and, and go and make enough plays with, with the, the 26 catches that you had, um, it's, it's phenomenal. So, I mean, I got switched to receiver when I got to college. But, uh, yeah, they, they most teams wasn't throwing that much. So what was that transition like to go to Washington State and have a, a team that was actually, uh, you know, throwing the ball? Because if you were in a veer or something like that, you're not really learning a whole bunch of plays about reading defenses or anything like that about actually how to be a receiver. You just make yeah. a play on the athleticism. You know, I, I spent probably a lot of my time at, at, at high school blocking, believe it or not, practicing blocking and learning how to block. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, you know, I thought from 26 catches with 13 TDs, if I caught 50, I'd have 25. That wasn't realistic. But, you know, I just wanted to catch more balls and allow myself to help my team win. And, you know, my, my freshman year, I was playing a little bit. My sophomore year, I was leading the, the Pac-12 in, in Pac-12. Pack eight back then in catches for a minute. And uh, so it was, it really was a blessing to go to Washington State because they did throw the ball. Um, but uh, my whole objective was never to play in the NFL. I was just there to get a, a education, which is, you know, most young men, me as a football coach at Stanford and at USC, a lot of guys come to the NFL, come to the college thinking they're going to just jump into the NFL. Man, no, you got to go there and get your degree, finish school. Because less than 1% of those young men, I don't care how talented they are, make it to the National Football League. So I never aspired to play in the NFL until, hey, man, one Sunday like today, man, I'm sitting there in my dorm room looking at TV and I'm watching a commentator, a local news, say, hey, Mike Wilson might be a first-round pick someday. I'm like, what? So I focused in and watched the game. I'm like, you know, I could, I could do what Lynn Swan and John Stallworth are doing. So I could do that. And uh, – then I saw it from a different perspective, but, you know, I, I didn't even aspire to it. I just really uh, tried to hone in on my technique and my skills and develop myself so that whenever I got an opportunity to, to catch a ball, I wanted to take it to the house. I mean, it was not like just, just trying to catch it, man. I always wanted to score and knew that that's what, you know, in high school for me, I knew that, you know, uh, Touchdowns is what made you all city, all made you MVP, and then got made me all American. 
And so I always wanted to be, a, you know, I always told my wide receivers as a coach, and I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth from being a player and a coach. Hey, man, this, this position is about being a playmaker. You got to come in. You're going to catch the ball first, but then I want if you can do something with it, hey, that, that's you. That's your talent. And I believe that, too, as, as a player myself and uh, was able to do that at Washington State. And then, uh, obviously, when I came to the Niners, my role changed a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's still a matter of, of just developing yourself to the maximum and, and, and don't, be, don't get stuck in thinking that you, you've arrived because if you stop working, you start working. And I will use one example of a guy who came in in my fifth year. Jerry Rice came along. This young brother worked his ass off. I mean, you're talking about a work ethic that I had never seen before. And I used to train with Jerry, me and Jerry and Roger Craig. And, you know, we get our workout in. You would never see my name associated with them, too, but they know for their workouts. We used to work out, get it done in the afternoon when they were done. And I go work out with Ronnie Lott uh, with an old school workout. Uh, uh, I mean, Ronnie would work out. So, you know, training and getting your body right is the one thing I always tell my athletes you can control. And the coaches can control your playing time and a lot play calling, but you got to be in shape, man. And so it was a lot of things that that I brought to the table and put in myself that allowed me to to survive and play almost a decade with no surgeries, no major injuries. And I attribute that to being in shape, man. Like this is this is a lot to 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 <laughs> take in because this is <clears throat> you these names that you're throwing around, you know, Ronnie Lott. Jerry Rice uh, and Roger Craig. Where did you get this mindset from? Because as you're speaking, uh, it's it's like you figured out everything on your own, and then you learn from your peers or the your your successors, and and you just kind of piece everything together. Who helped you uh, with the mindset that you have or guided you in 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 this direction? You know, you know, I think I think it comes from. you know, a, a support system. Everybody doesn't have that. I mean, I, I know my mom and my dad, you know, supported me and just were good fans in, in high school. Uh, I remember playing and, you know, because I played basketball and that was my passion. I played in AAU and a man and, and used to compete. And, and I remember telling myself when I was in the ninth grade, man, you can't, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to make all tournament team if you don't score. Because I was kind of a shy, introverted guy. And I'm like, man, you got to score points. So I, I realized that, okay, this is what I need to do. And that's that's really uh, what drove me was, you know, me maybe being able to think outside the box and and realize what I have to, to accomplish. And you look at people prior before you and what they've done, uh, you know, academically for me as a young African-American brother coming out, you know, all you kept hearing about brothers didn't have the grades and they were going to JC or whatever. Hey, man, I had a 3.0 got my SAT score. I could go to any school I wanted to. And so I wasn't going to let that be a hurdle. That was first. And I, I learned that when I played for my AAU team with Benny Davenport, a mentor of mine. You you couldn't play on his basketball team unless you had to be average. And so I'm like, okay, that instilled the, the academic discipline. And then he was a real technician on learning how to play defense and all the stuff that he did. But, you know, I learned that from him. And then I went on to, you know, I could be a follower and this is what, you know, a lot of young men, you can be a follower, you can be a leader. And I had the natural instinct to watch. I was quiet, watch what people were doing. But then I said, OK, this is what I need to do. And so that is not uh, braggadocious or anything or pat myself on the back. I just knew what I needed to accomplish by watching 
going to the Dallas Cowboys, and that's jumping up a little bit to see Drew Pearson and Tony Hill work. And I'm like, man, I got as good a work ethic, and I can do what they can do with my athletic ability. To then come to the Niners and watch Freddie Solomon, Dwight Clark, and then, of course, the great Jerry and John Taylor come along. And I showed them a few things, but, you know, they were great players. But it's just a matter of having the discipline of trying to be the best. And I always felt like, and you guys can understand this, in all your respective sports, uh, I mean, there can be 100 guys. And, you know, there's out of the 100, everybody's good. So my philosophy, to be honest with you, was that I want to be the, the best in my technique and my fundamentals that would allow me to, in coming in and out that route, to not stumble and fall and also to focus in on that ball. So, I mean, it was a lot of small things that built up to what allowed me to last 10 years, man, when, hey, man, they were bringing guys in every year to take a spot. And, you know, so that competitive side of me was always there from even high school. But, uh, you know, for me, it was just a matter of, you know, believing in myself because there's a lot of naysayers in all sports. And they'll tell you, you can't do it. Man, you're setting your goal too high. And uh, I just never – I never allowed that to influence my ability to go out and do what I needed to do. As long as I had an opportunity – and there are some stories I could share, but, um, you know, my brother who's who – Went to medical school was and was fine. His his high school teacher told him, "Once you're setting your goals too high, to be a doctor." Mm-hmm. You know, this this now he you know he's a doctor, own a medical group, works is doing well. Same as me. You setting your goals too high, thinking you can be a professional athlete. Not that I ever thought of that, but hey, man, you got to go out and get it. You can't let anybody tell you what you can't do. And so that was uh, important. I, I got to tell a story about. You know, my daughter, she she was the top student at her school, all A's, and went to Yale, graduated top of her class. But everybody asked me, your daughter's at Yale? Is she there playing basketball or volleyball? I told her, no, she the, she the smartest student on the campus. You know, and so sometimes we deal with that stereotype that exists, and, you know, we got we to just block it out, and, and, and you got to know what's, what you need to do. Man, man. Shout out to your daughter, real quick. I got to say that, right? Hey, she's sitting over here. Yeah, no, she yeah. business because I de- I dealt with, I dealt with the same thing. You know, me coming from a, a boxing family and then me playing uh, football and running track in college. You know, that was the whole conversation. When my daughter, I was the first person in my family ever go to college, and then when my daughter, you know, was old enough to go to school, they like, oh, is she, she going to be a track athlete? How is she going to get to school? But she got an academic scholarship to Pepperdine. So right. we, we changed the mindset about how things can, can go, right? And so we're not just athletes. We're, we're bigger than, well, you know, our, our athletic prowess and, and background. There's other things that we offer to the world. And as we grow and learn, we yeah. teach our generation. So so kudos to you and your daughter for that. Man, I, I love it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you about, because um, my, my son, my oldest son, is in college playing playing ball. He's playing receiver. And uh, – cool. You know, at, at what point when you were in college did you get that mentality to say, okay, everybody out here is good. <laughs> Got a lot of good players. You have maybe one or two guys who are just exceptional uh, as, as a skill set, but it's never just the skill set to get you there. Like you talked about your work ethic and how you focused on, you know, being the best the technician at, at what you do. What is it that makes a difference between a person that can be a great college player, but then also be a great NFL player. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think, first of all, I got to give a shout out to my other daughter. She's she's a graduate of DePaul out of Chicago. She's doing well. So go for her. About. And that was that was my that was my one criteria that I always wanted. Uh, once I became a parent, was to make sure that my daughters went to college, uh, that they would come out of college debt free. And thank you to the NFL for allowing that to take place. Uh, and so that's all good. But I would say the the one thing I would share with with, with young athletes, and like speaking to your son in particular, man, you know, if if it's really simple, I don't care what sport you're in. If you're gonna go to that blocked off four hours that they give you a day for playing sports. I mean, go ahead and do it. You know, as a coach, now I'm going to put my coaching hat on. You know, I, I really have to nip a lot of cats, man. They come in being want to be cool and and want to act like, you know, they're talented. And I'm like, man, you know, you got talent. I was at USC, man. We had some, I mean, we recruited the top wide receivers in the country. At the same time, I was at, I was at Stanford and we recruited some top, academic guys but probably sometimes weren't as talented and yet those guys had to work ethic to 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 rise the level and at one time stanford had as many guys going to the nfl as usc you know i watched them last night they you know they're struggling a little bit but the young athletes at stanford i say hey man what's gonna separate you from this guy we're gonna bring in tomorrow man because we, we would always get the top guys you know it's your it's your ability to come out make plays work ethic get in shape i mean it was just a lot of stuff but you know, uh, you also had to, you know, take care of your classroom because, you know, most athletes in college nowadays, you know who the premier guys going to go to the NFL, but you got to, you got to be eligible. You got to study and you, and, and I will, and I'm, I'm bouncing around guys. So hang with me on this, but also, even if you aspire and think you're going to play professional sports, no matter what, what you're going to play until you're 32, 34, you got the rest of your life, man. You got to have a degree to fall back on something. Now I happen to go into coaching, but I, mean, I don't know what I would have done with the next, you know, 30 years of my life if that was the case. So, I mean, you got to get your degree, you got to go to school, but it's just a matter of, you know, I remember having a young man uh, at USC who was the first round pick. And I used to tell him, man, you gotta, you know, look at it. You gotta, if whatever motivates you, you gotta motivate. I mean, if it's your first round pick, you want to have enough money to take care of your family and everything, that's fine. But, you know, his self-discipline wasn't always there, but uh, and he only played like three or four years and was out because he let the, the, the periphery get in his way. You know, he wanted to be that guy. But uh, full circle to the question, I think it's just a matter of young men, uh, him doing the best he can, uh, learning his stuff. He, where your son's at, Is your son at Pepperdine right now? No, my, my son is at Savannah State. Oh, Savannah State, okay. Yeah. I mean, do the best he can. Listen to the coaches. Uh, you know, try to be the best he can be. I know that's a cliche. We hear it all the time. But be the best you can be. And in your in your playing career, you know, you're going you to probably have 50 coaches, you know, 20 to 50 coaches, man. And they all bring something good. And you just got to take whatever they can and continue to 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 work work and be the best you can be. Yeah, and that's on and off the field, too. That's a, that's a huge oh, part time. of it. Mm-hmm, yeah. because yeah i had an opportunity to to mentor him and i told him uh the way that you see football you you know you want to go and score those touchdowns but when it comes to the classroom you want to make sure that you get the good grades on the test because that equates to having a touchdown so if you need to go in and go in and speak to your teacher speak to your professor you know, get that oh, extra yeah. work done i said do it show up i said 
you, you know, the, those professors are similar to the coaches. They want to see you put in the work because that's what they do. It's just on a different yeah. side of the ball, right? And yeah. so he took the information and and he applied it. So he's doing really well, good, man. Wish him well on that. That's that's good to hear, right? Exactly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, talk, talking about that, uh, you know, you go back and forth with, with your coaching hat on and, and your player hat. So you get to a team that uh, you know was 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 good, but then you know the, the Niners just just took it to a whole nother level, and, and you get all this talent, and all these people that are coming in, amazing coaches. And uh, what was that like to see a transition from a team that was was good when you first got there, and then you know <laughs> you guys just took another level and, and won uh, what four Super Bowls? Yeah, four Super Bowls. Four, 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 four of my time, man. And you know what? And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fast forward to what you said. And, and honestly, honestly, man, and, and people don't even think about this, man. We should have won six. We lost one to we lost a game to Minnesota, and we lost to the Redskins in, in the NFC Championship. Uh, and you know, hey, that's what happens, you know. The, the uh, but you know, when I came to the Niners in '81. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. I'm I'm sorry to, to stop your yeah, knowledge because yeah. because we got we got to go back. You get it. We got to go back to the draft uh, real quick, right? And and then lead into that because we didn't talk about Washington okay. State. Like, uh, okay, okay. So here I go. I, I'll go back to the beginning, man. Okay. So, right, so I came to the Niners. I came to the Niners in '81, and and in that draft class. Now you know there was uh, Ronnie Lott. That was my boy. We hung. We were tight. We, we came in as rookies and still good friends. Yeah. Uh, and so, but on. So Ronnie came in. We drafted Eric Wright, uh, Carlton Williams. I mean, so we they draft. We had like twenty two rookies on that team in in eighty one, and that was the most in NFL history at one time. I'm sure teams have, have you know done the same thing, but to come in after that team was four and twelve, uh, Bill Walsh was the head coach, uh, and the the key to the offense for us was Joe Montana. Everybody knows that Joe was a perceived as an underachiever. He was a third-round pick out of Notre Dame. Uh, you know, this guy was not supposed to do what he was going to do. And so uh, you get there, and Bill Walsh had a tendency to get a lot of guys who were, you know, the Dwight Clarks, the Freddie Solomons, uh, guys who had been – Freddie was, was a high pick out of Miami, but Dwight was a, you know, out of Clemson. But he was his ability to put in an offense and guys were able to go out and execute that offense, and you know this, Prince, in, in, in your pro days, man, you know, it's all about you can have all the systems you want. I mean, if you, you got to go out and execute. And uh, the one thing that, that allowed me to to come in, I learned, I learned the whole offense. I could play XZ. We, we went into the – people call it 12 or Tiger. I could line up as a tight end. I could line up in the backfield. So, for me, it was a unique thing that my aptitude and ability to learn – really helped me with my with my talent skills. So that was key. But I think for us, man, it was just a matter of of guys believing in the coaches, believing in each other. And then, hey man, at the end of the day, you know, you can you can prepare, prepare, and then you got to go out on Sunday and you get tested. And that's game day, man. And that's when you got to come and, and, and you know, that's game, that's when you got to do what you do what you you've been paid to do. And that was to me what what separated us from other teams, man. We, you can have all the hoop. I mean, you can hear there's some teams today that okay, they good, and then Cowboys showed up in, in San Fran to play the Cowboy, the 49ers, and they thought they was hey man, hey man, they 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 flew home with a, a 
devastating loss. They coming back. They they came back a little bit. They they didn't beat a few weaker teams, but they got Philly on their schedule too. But I'm not gonna go there. But the point is, you know, that group of guys was able to check their egos. And I'm, I'm speaking more probably as an older guy, and, and I don't know if people get it, but you know, check your ego. Come out and 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 there was a goal. Goal was we had never won a championship. Then once you win a championship, man, all of a sudden that that bar is set. And from that day on, of 84, uh, you know, we uh, we won the second one. But 82, we made the NFC Championship game, lost to the Redskins, which we should have won. Ronnie Lott, my boy, got called with a P.I. in the fourth quarter, which which was the difference. But uh, then you move on, and all of a sudden, we won two back-to-back. I mean, we won two. Now, hey, man, we bring in Fred Dean and, you know, guys like Charles Haley. I mean, I'm going to bounce a little bit, but now you're bringing in talent, man, that those are different makers. And at the same time, we were that same offense that was a machine, man. We just go and Bill Walsh's, you know, West Coast is what they called it. Uh, and you had guys who could do it. And then you bring in a superstar like Jerry Rice. You know, that guy could catch a slant and take it to the house. And I could take it to the house. John Taylor could do it. So uh, now we just had a, a standard and a level of performance that, you know, we didn't care what the rest of the league was doing. We're going to come and play our game. And that's what uh, you see with some of these college teams nowadays. I mean, I, I love the college game, man, because those guys are playing just from pure heart. You know, I watch the Pac-12 right now with Washington and all these schools that are, you know, winning, finding ways to win. And really, you know, teams normally lose one or two games a year. So it was, it was, it's, it's fun to watch uh, guys finding their, their niche and finding how to be successful and win. But I thought our Niner teams, man, we just set the bar. And as teams came along, man, we just were consistent, and consistency is what what, what won championships for us. Whew. Man, you, you speak about consistency. Playing for one team for that long, that that took a lot of, I would say, self-talk, uh, discipline, and mm. you know, j- just being around and, and setting the standard for the younger guys that came in. Uh, what was it like to be able to stay on a team for that long period of time and you see different faces coming and going, you know how it is. And you get these different personalities and characteristics. Like how do you maintain that sense of self-worth and, 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 and not doubt or question yourself? Good question. I mean, for me personally, you know, you see a post, you can't see it, but behind me, I got the four, four, four championship teams, 81, 84, 88, 89. And out of those five guys who were on all four teams, you know, Lot, Montana, Turner, and Wright, uh, all those guys were drafted by the Niners. I was a free agent, man. And trust me, I saw a ton of, a thousand athletes come through in those 10 years of me being there trying to take my job. And I was obviously on the board to be replaced. Uh, but you know, you got to believe in yourself. You got to know how to compete and say, hey, man, you know, and, and there's been some situations where, I, you know, they brought some guys in and I'm like, OK. And I, I had a couple of conversations with coaches. As long as you let me compete and give me an opportunity in preseason to catch the rock, I, I show my worth. But it's uh, it's tough, man. You know, the, the average age of NFL guys is three point four or, or 4.2 years. I mean, that's not as long a career as 10 and uh, so I was very fortunate. But I, for me, the one thing that nobody talks about, the intangible, man, I accepted my role. I mean, I could have played for another 31 teams in the league and started and played. But I was okay, man, understanding my role. 
uh, and did because I saw hey, man, a ton of young young athletes come through with their with, with their lip poked out, mad because they wasn't getting the rock as much. And hey, man, and that's the quickest way to get shown the door. And I saw a lot of good players, man, get get cut or get traded because of attitude. And so I realized, hey man, you know what? And as a coach, I'm gonna go into my coach mode. Hey, Ain't nothing better than coaching a, a guy who's who's got the character and understand what what it's all about and just you know, makes it easier, your job easier. Ain't no worse than going in a room, man, with a guy pouting, always got to try to have this little hoodie up and want to be, you know, just give me the ball. And I'll show you, I'll give you guys a good example of this, man. And I haven't thrown his name out. I was coaching with the Raiders, man. And uh, Tim Brown was was my receiver. He went to the Pro Bowl two years ahead. We playing a game against, let's just say, Seattle one week, man. And we going at halftime and he ain't caught a ball yet. And he's, coach, man, you got to, I said, I said, Tim. I mean, you need to just relax. The game will come to you. And he, and so he come. I said, man, so you just need to come out and play. So second half come out, first ball, he drops it. So full fast forward, end of the game, Tim comes out with nine catches, two touchdowns, and we win the game. Comes to me in the, on the bus and say, coach, you know, I appreciate what you said to me, and I'll never do that again. Now, we talked about guys in the league that I coached who were character guys. I mean, Tim Brown is at the top of the list. He said, I learned something from that. I said, man, you just got to stay focused, man. You got to be positive and let the game come to you and you'll be all right. We're aware that we didn't get the rock to you. We'll throw the rock to you. Hey, man. And after that, I mean, that was my champion, man. He he just, he listened to everything I said and he played and was, you know, great guy to coach as a, as a former player. And that's, that's what it's all about. But at the end of the day, man, the Niners success was based on, after a while, we just came contagious. Guys came in the locker room, and they bought into what we were doing. And if they didn't, I, I was one of the few guys that would check them along with other guys. And, hey, man, and, you know, and, and so it all worked out. It was it was man. a great experience for me, and I wouldn't change it, except I wish I was making that $4.5 million a year <laughs> instead of, instead of 250000 but it's okay. I don't blame you. <laughs> man, <laughs> we, we we need more coaches like you um, that help players with their emotional intelligence, and because that use that's usually what happens uh, with a lot of players, and that's their downfall. Their emotional intelligence is very low. They have oh, no yeah, sense oh, of. Hey, let me let me t- let me tell you one more story, man. If we got a minute, you can edit this one out. But uh, I was with the Cardinals, man, and Anquan Bolden, and you, Anquan played in Baltimore. He played with the Niners also. Anquan was the most competitive. Determined guy I've, I've ever met. High IQ, uh, um, was just a smart guy, and but he had a little chip on his shoulder, man. For whatever reason, you know, he was a quarterback. They made him switch to wide receiver at Florida State, and uh, but the guy was to me not necessarily. Uh, he was just mentally tough, and he, if he wanted, he was going to go get it. So I come in as his coach, and. Uh, we're there, and also I'm watching every time we play a game early on in the season. You know, guys would push him or, or, or shove him in the game, and you know, Anquan, you know, he have a chip man, so he gonna get that guy, or he would go and go after him and get a penalty. And so after one game, I I pulled him in the office. I said, "Hey man, let me share something with your dog." You know, and I nicknamed him Anger Management for a minute. I said, "You gotta learn to control your temper. You can't these DBs in the National Football League. They know who you are, man, and if they know they can get under your skin, they're gonna do it every time." 
And so I said, man, what you need to do is let your performance speak for yourself. Don't If a guy does something like that, man, go out and catch a ball on him, run him over, or, you know, you can just block him within the within the framework of the game. Hey, man, he, uh, after that, he realized it, and, and Anquan was, was to me, a, a, one of the, next to Tim, and then Larry Fitzgerald was two or three of the best guys I've coached. He was, he, I mean, he was a playmaker. He'd come out and play, knew us for smart as attack, knew his stuff. And uh, but, you know, guys have to learn how to put that energy in the right direction and focus. And he was that guy. You know, I mean, this guy was amazing. And, and, and really, in hindsight, as a you know, we're, we're going back a few years now, you know, him and Larry Fitzgerald on the same team, you know, eventually Anquan left because they couldn't pay both of them. But I mean, them guys were were awesome. And uh, Anquan had a great career. But that that aspect of his personality is probably what got him to where he was. But he had to learn how to control it, and that's all between years, man. And he did it. And, and so I'm, I'm, and I can't take credit for his career. He was a great player, and won a Super Bowl with Baltimore, I, you know, and, and came to San Fran, and um, went to a Super Bowl with with Phoenix, and they didn't win at all. But good good player. But that that moment when he had to, you know, mentally, that's what coaching is about, man. And that's why I don't say to Ray and. And Prince, man, you know, we can we can put a play up on the board and say, OK, this is what you're doing, man. But it's not connecting with these young athletes and saying, hey, man, this is what you got to do. Just a little little bit intangibles and mentoring them. That makes a difference, man, to me. Man, that, that's, know, and, and that's why I, that's why I enjoyed the coaching was to try to get those guys to be the best they can be. And you saw it on the football field. That's, that's interesting you say that because we talk about, you know, the emotional intelligence and, and being coachable and being able to to listen and take information and, and apply it to be successful. You talk about, you know, Tim Brown, uh, you know, one of the 10 guys that, that won the Heisman Trophy and is in the Hall of Fame. And for for him to be, okay, I'm, I'm a Heisman guy, I'm a Raider star, and listen to that information from you and, and take that information and say, yeah, okay, may, maybe I still need to change it. What is that like when you have, you know, uh, a young guy that's a, you know, a star or star player that says, okay, I can take this information. And you, know, you see the opposite side of somebody that says, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to I know, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> let, let, let me, let me share a story with you. So Tim Brown told me uh, after his first year, he came up to me once and this was the best compliment I've gotten from any player. He said, coach, you brought me into the 21st century. No disrespect for what he had learned. Uh, with the Raiders, but I came there and I was a West Coast guy. I just say, man, it's all about technique and and and, and mastering your craft, and you could be good. Now, on the flip side of that, and I drafted Josh Gordon out of uh, Baylor, and he was we took him in the first round supplemental draft. Didn't get to do a lot of homework on him, but and Josh loved him, right? And I, I would pull him off, say, hey, man, this is what you got to do. Came from a single parent, had a couple of brothers, and and uh, I said, man, you, this is what you got to do. So you got to uh, just focus in and handle your business because he, you know, a guy's history sometimes is right there in front of you. He had transferred. He'd been with three colleges before he came to us. And uh, so I said, hey, man, here's what we, your brothers, I want you, your brother moved into Cleveland and, and lived with him. So I talked to his brother, hey, man, make sure your, your brother gets up. He's there. It's just being accountable. And now you got an opportunity to do it. And I, my motivation was, hey, man, four years, you get a 30 million, four-year, $30 million contract. Take care of your family. That's the business side of it. Hey, man, that young man, his, freshman, his rookie year, all freshman, all, I keep saying freshman, all rookie team, didn't miss a game. 
played well, made some big plays for us. I mean, he was setting the bar, the next Randy Moss, the next big-time player. And uh, so he did well. Well, of course, with, with the staff, we all got fired. And next thing I know, he moved to downtown Cleveland was with Johnny, Johnny Manziel. And next thing you know, man, second year, he's, he's suspended. He had all kinds of issues. And I would call him and say, hey, man, this is what you got to do. And so in a lot of ways, you try to reach out to young men. And they also got to be receptive to it. You know, you as a player, you got to be receptive and, and, and listen. And not that I had all the answers for him, but, you know, that was a young guy who played in XFL last year, man. You know, it was up in Seattle playing. But he had opportunities with New England. He went to Seattle. He was in Kansas City. And the same history and got what got him out of Cleveland, got him out of those teams. And he's now in XFL making 2500 a game. When he full circle should have been you know, got that $40 million deal, man. At the end of the day, it is work and business. But so for every kid you do touch, you know, you hope that you can reach out to every one of them. And I don't want to use him and talk negative about him, but that's the history, man. You know, sometimes you got to be real. And, uh, but, you know, to this day, man, I, I wish, you know, he would have, you know, took full advantage of his talent. And his talent also would have been, you know, it, you know, showing on the field what was between, you know, if he was just, you know, has to have that personal discipline that he needed. Now, sometimes people have, you know, issues that I'm not aware of. So I understand that. But, you know, so when I talk about all the good guys between Tim Brown, Anquan Bolton, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, then there's a Josh Gordon who still has a great name, was a good player, a playmaker. But, you know, he had his he has rough times and it's and, you know, I'm out of touch with him. But I and I think, you know, hopefully he can still get it together. Oh man, you, that, me, that, you know what I'm saying, man. You know them yeah, guys know. in the locker room, man. Hey, man, that, that that just touched me right there. I have to speak on that because I, I I can understand the struggle, and I can understand as a former player and as a coach, you you, you speak to these the these these individuals' spirit. You speak their language. You you have a similar background, and you just know how to how to connect with them. Where you you have a um I would say a white coach. They don't really know how to connect with them. They just just say, just keep playing football, right? And and you're speaking to their life that's outside of football, that that connects them and 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 helps them uh, sharpen their their mental and also uh, connect with something that their grandmother, their mother, or their father told them back in the day. So it just it, it it turns on a switch in their brain, like okay, let let me shape up, let me listen to coach because as I'm listening to you, you know, I feel like I need to get my act together. I'm like, yeah, let, hey, let's man. go. Hey, 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 Prince, you, you know, yeah, you know, for oh. me, man, when I when I when I was coming up, uh, yeah. when I went to Stanford and coached my first coaching job, Bill Walsh said, "Hey, man, to the staff, hey, man, you know, the word is coach, but we're teachers. You know, you need to learn how to teach each guy and teach each guy individually and find what button to push to get them to be the best they can be." Hey, man, that was the best advice he ever gave me, man, as a coach, because even from Stanford days to USC to all the pro teams. You know, it'd be a room of, of seven to 10 guys and you got to say, OK, what can I do to make him the best? And what what whatever that was, I would I would find it and tap into it. And, and so that was that was key, man. But, you know, for me, it was mentoring. It was, you know, and, and you made a comment and I find a lot of coaches in the National Football League. Now I want to be these players best friend. And that's, you know, and I'm not saying you got to come in with a hammer and, and be hard, but, you know, you got to establish 
the boundaries and, and what needs to be done for this room to be successful. And that's what I said. I always went into coaching and I, this is not a, you know, I'm not pumping myself up, but I always said I want this group to be the best on the team. And so that was the challenge because you always got a good group of running backs, good group of DBs. Hey, man, let's, let's show them how to practice. Let's show them how to work. And then we go out and, and perform on Sunday or Saturday. And once you can establish that and then they take pride and you know how to show them film and get them prepared, hey, man, it's, it's time to go. You know, you get to be you and have fun. And, you know, you see guys having fun today. The NFL has gotten a little lighter. Let them celebrate a little bit more. But uh, that's key to, for me, was being a, a mentor, helping these young men who come from different backgrounds or different levels of development in their skill. And you got to bring them up, man. But you want them to be the best, man. You know, you can't watch the t- team in your in your league and say, oh, I mean, they got the best receiving core. Be us. You know, when I was in Arizona, we had the best receiving core. When I was in San Francisco, we were the best receiving core. You know, so you got to try to get that going. You know, and I'm going to throw one other guy, guy under the bus, man. And I'm not throwing the bus, but just just to show you guys, right, uh, Josh Cribs. Y'all heard of Josh Cribs. He was a big-time punt returner in Cleveland, all pro. Man, we, we I came to that job, man, and, and the first team meeting, man, he comes strolling in like 30 seconds before meeting started at 9. He come in at 8.59 and 30 seconds. And he did that like the first two or three meetings. And, oh, okay, man. I, I see what this is. See, he was a he was the all pro. He was all Cleveland. And so, but you got to know most head coaches now. I mean, they want to come in and start meeting five minutes early, three minutes early. And he comes strolling in, even though technically look at the clock, you know, he wasn't late. So, man, I had to, hey, man, we finally break. I said, hey, man, let me just talk to you guys now, man. First of all, I need y'all to be here five minutes before the meeting start. You got to get your coffee. You got to go use the restroom on your time. Once we start the meeting, this is what we got to do. You know, I can't be installing or we we talk about something and, and the coach say, hey, John Doe, and look up, you're not even in the meeting, man. You, you're in the bathroom or I'm getting a cup of coffee. So, man, as a coach, I have to nip that right in the beginning because, I mean, the players will challenge you with the hood up, the cell phone, and they, and they, you did it, Prince, sometimes, had a cell phone in their pocket. And think they can walk out the room and go use the restroom. Hey, man. And so it's not being a jerk or being hard. You just got to show them you can't do that at IBM, Xerox. You know, the discipline that being a boxer takes, man. I mean, the the diet, the running. Hey, man. You know, so why do you think you can all of a sudden, you know, decide you just don't want to take take what we're doing serious? We only got 45 minutes in the day to meet. So let's, let's handle it. Hey, man. And, and so I took it a step further. And this is not me shooting my resume, but this is how I got the most out of my guy. Hey, man, I'll be in the meeting room watching the tape. And, and Prince, you can relate to this, Ray. Hey, man. And the guys in the back, hey, man, they, they got their hoodies. They got their cell phones or something. Hey, man, I, I knew what they were doing. So second second meeting, I put all of them in the first two rows. I sat in the third row with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the cowboy running the plays. The rest <laughs> is history, man. So you got to, I mean, you just have to take control and deal with it. Um, so it was fun, man. I enjoyed it. And I think I got the most out of all my players, man. That's what that, that yeah. was the ultimate goal was to teach them how to be a good player. I love that you talk about the discipline in, in sports and boxing. And, you know, if it's boxing, you can't play boxing at all. So uh, <laughs> uh, coaches back then would always say, hey, if, you, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> you got you got to right. be early because – you have to get prepped and set up just like the coaches do. It's like you, you have to have your mindset right to come sit down and be ready to learn. 
and uh, you know take this as as a as a craft and understand that you know everybody's time is, is, is precious. So, you know, I, I love that. Even when I got to college to play play football, my uh, my college coach was like, we on Bobcat time. I played at Ohio University. So I know all, all the mm-hmm. Cleveland guys. I would watch all, all, all the games. Okay. So all the boys would, would watch all the Cleveland and Cincinnati games. So so Josh told you someone, Josh Gordon and Cribs. Man, the, those oh, yeah. those guys phenomenal talent. But, you know, oh, yeah. I've seen so many guys with, with superior talent. Even in boxing, I mean, it seems some guys with superior talent that never make the championship or never get to where they need to get to because of that lack of discipline and lack of work ethic. So, yeah. love it. And, you know, and, and, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, man. So, I mean, my way wasn't always the best because there are successful guys everywhere. And I and uh, so I just I just wish that when the opportunity presents itself for the young athletes in, in all sports, that you maximize your opportunity and make the most of it. And that's how I will summarize my experience with the Niners is that, you know, I, I experienced getting cut and let go by the Cowboys. But once I got to the, to the 49ers, I'm like, Hey man, I, I ain't going to, I'm not trying to go anywhere. I I, I got a one story, man. I, and, and so this is the thing about, so plan B came along in the NFL. And so the Niners put me on, they put me, Joe, Ronnie, all the guys on Plan B. Actually, the second year, but I was the first year I was on Plan B. And so I flew to oh, – Plan, right. Plan B, Plan B. Plan B, it was like you're, you're a free agent, but yet you're still – if you didn't sign with somebody, you came back to the team you were with. It was before – it was long before you, man. It was just a weird thing that the NFL did. It didn't last long. but So I was a free agent, man. And I'm like, oh, really? So my agent – uh, the, you know, Marvin Demoff back in the day, uh, Marvin. And, uh, so I flew to Green Bay and, and went, had a tryout with them. But the, but the NFL wasn't, they wasn't cohesive and they didn't know what, what the other hand was doing. They weren't like they are now. I mean, you know, you can't. So I flew there, had a workout. They offered, I mean, I flew in. And so here's a quick story. I flew into Green Bay, four feet of snow, cold. I mean, it was like, man. And I did the workout. And I'm like, man, you know what? And that was going into my 2000, that was 88, 1988. And I was going into, and so I said, man, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice, man. I, I, I didn't survive this long. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to the Niners and I'm going I'm, I'm to stay a Niner. And so I flew back. But what the Niners didn't know to this day, they didn't know that Marvin and I said, man, Marvin, they don't even know what Green Bay offered us. Here's what I want. And so Marvin came, and they wanted me to resign. So Marvin went back and said, hey, this is what Green Bay offered him. Can you match it? We'll match it and do better. Well, Green Bay never gave me that offer. They really didn't offer what was there. But mentally, it was like, okay, man, how do I maximize this opportunity? And I knew damn well when I flew back to San Fran, flew around downtown San Fran, it was 70 degrees, and I just left four feet of snow. And and no disrespect, man, you know, to, to Green, Green Bay. I'm like, no, no, no. So I came back and signed. We won two Super Bowls back to back that ne- that year and the following year, and whatever little money that I thought I'd get from Green Bay, which I I didn't, we made it in playoff money. But you know, sometimes you gotta also play the game within the game and understand what you're dealing with. And I knew that the grass for young some athletes, you know, you see the portal in college football, guys are bouncing from one school. Hey Amen. The grass ain't always green on the other side. I mean, but the portal seems to be. I was watching the game last night. I think. Uh, it might have been Washington versus 
versus Washington State. And the guy had transferred from the other school to that next school and playing against them. I'm like, ain't that a trip, man? You know, that wasn't even fathomable when I played it. I couldn't, if you transfer, you have to sit out a year, you have to do whatever. But, you know, the times have changed. But that story of plan B and flying and Niners thought they were, you know, doing whatever. Hey, man, I took full advantage of it, man. And to this day, that was my best contract in my two years, in my whole 10 years of playing was, okay, thank you, Plan B. Thank you, Green Bay. But, hey, I stayed in San Fran, and I got two Super Bowl rings, uh, two more Super Bowl rings to add to my two I already had. Mm. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> when, when somebody oh, talks to you and say anything good. to you, you always throw up the four fingers. What you say? I got four hey, Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, and, and that four Super Bowl ring story, and I always share this because if you want to make $100, we're going to go to Vegas. I mean, easy way to make four, a quick $100. Ask a guy, say, hey, man, can you name the three wide receivers in NFL history who have four Super Bowl rings as players? They're going to say Michael Irvin they, with the Cowboys. They're going to say uh, Jerry Rice. You know, they're going to bounce all over the page. But it's Lynn Stallworth. I mean, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, and me. So we're the three guys in NFL history with the four bowl rings. So, hey, man, I'm telling you, Ray, that's money right there, dog. Money. All right. put, put I'm setting up the go, trip go. right there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, That's money hey, right we gotta, there. We got to get to the Super Bowl early, right? So I need to go ahead and get that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that, that's that. But that's that one's true, man. And and I, I it's all good. I, I I take pride in persevering and, and, and surviving and uh you know walking away with, with no major surgeries and no injuries. Well well, coach, I well, I'm calling you coach, but Mike, <laughs> Mike coach. Everything, man. I mean, mentor, great father. You deserve all the, the, the amazing names, man. I just want to tell you, uh, thank you just for being you, just for just for recognizing your light within and and the uh the the, the job that you have and how you see it through. Uh mentoring people, making them become a, a, a better version of themselves making them see themselves in the mirror and realizing like, okay, I have something. I, I do have a gift and I need to apply it. I can, I understand why your, why your daughters went to Yale and DePaul. I mean, because it, it's not only are you um, a great father and a great coach, but it transcends into other things in life. And it's hard to find people like that actually. And, and with your background, with a unique background for Super Bowls, I'm not sure if you won any championships at Washington State. I'm not sure if you won any championships at at, um, at Carson uh, High School. You know, um, playing playing against what's your rival school, Banning, right? So oh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't even know if you won any championships early on, but you won championships afterwards, and um, you understood how to play your role, how how to not allow for your emotions to get uh, to you know, mess up your journey. No, and no, and no. That, that speaks volumes, man. So one, we want to give you your flowers for all the incredible things that you're doing. Two, I need to make sure that we stay in contact because you're a mentor just listening to you speak, man. It's, oh, we good, man. It's, it's amazing. Hey. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah. So, hey, man, hey, in full circle, man, you know, I, I look forward to I'm gonna get a chance to spend some time with you guys, man. We're going to do the Bowlings for Legends in Vegas, February 8th. Uh, 12 noon to five, man. Long day at the uh, I, I got it written down here, man. The Red Rock uh, <laughs> yeah. Resort and Casino, yeah. Uh, you know, Anthony Munoz Foundation, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we did it last year in, in Phoenix and had a, had a great time. 
And I got to give a shout out to Lester Smith. Lester is my guy. Lester told me to, you know, called me to reach out to you guys. And Lester's a good guy. And uh, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, life is about, you know, positive things and good energy. And it's a win-win, man. So we just got to learn to project that and share that with others. And, uh, you know, keep 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 the young men, you know, and, and fully for me for sports is, hey, man, guys just got to, you know, you know, you hate to 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 get in. Got to get out your own way, man. Sometimes that's my favorite. I mean, you got to get out your own way, dog. If you could just go ahead and handle your business, it's gonna be okay. You've been blessed with some with some talent. Now go out and uh, you know take advantage of it. Because, hey, man, I'm gonna be the first to tell you. You know, you, there's some jobs out there, man. There's a, there's a glass ceiling, man. You, you, there's no guarantees, you know. So you got to maximize your, you know, the 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 the, the skill that you have mastered and and and, and Go get it, man. Don't don't let nobody tell you no. And, uh, you know, it was great, great talking to you. I don't know who's on. I'm going to watch a little football in a minute here. But, uh, you know, my Niners are off this Sunday, uh, getting ready for Philly. And then we then we got the Cowboys in the playoffs. And Woo-hoo. I guess we're going to play Philly in the NFC Championship probably because the Cowboys will be gone by then. He's throwing it out there. We, we going to see I have to mess with you a little bit, man. I have to mess with you. It's all good. The Super Bowl. You know, hey, man, I do believe that the best team will win. Hey, there you go. And Which is the Niners. Has, has, has blue and a star. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do I got a 49er <laughs> cup somewhere around here? Go grab me a 49er <laughs> cup. No, I'm, I'm I do see a mug right there, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to play this one. This is going to be a good one, boy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look, Mike. Thank you for being on. We, we appreciate yes. it. We're going to have fun in, um, in February, on February mm-hmm. 8th. At the uh, the bowling with legends uh, out of the, the Red Rock Casino and, and Resort out in Vegas, um, so we're gonna have a great time, man. So make sure y'all y'all come support, and be involved in this uh, amazing event. So you know, ringside's gonna be front row. <laughs> so we'll see you then. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely see you then, man. And looking forward to every single thing. And shout outs to you and your family and all the endeavors that you have uh, coming up. And so. Um, you know, we're going to go ahead and close this out. But the one thing that you said, don't let nobody tell you no. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. That was a good one, man, because a lot of times we face adversity and we'll be the pre- people that tell ourselves no. If someone tells us no, right, sometimes we react to it and like, no, you ain't going to tell me no. But sometimes you got to remember your subconscious mind to tell you no because of the things that happened to you early on in, in your childhood. So just always to remind yourself to keep telling yourself yes, because those no's, they're going to come from an external place and you have to internally tell yourself yes, 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 because it seems like that's what you did to, to reach the level of success that you've reached. So thank you for that. And um, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and close this episode out. Um, where, where can people find you? Uh, and, and get in contact with you, or just kind of see what you're doing. You know, I, I really, I'm, I, I'm, I'm. Uh, Go through I'm your daughter, social right? media guy. I don't have much, much to, to reach me out on. I mean, to, yeah. to contact me, but I will say this, man. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm always approachable. I'm, I'm always been accessible. I, I mean, even to come on you guys' show this morning, man, is a pleasure uh, to pass on the message and just be, be real with people. Uh, you know, there is, uh, like I say, man, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of negativity in the world. So you got to believe in yourself. You got to be, be positive and, uh, you know, just, just, just do know what's right and what's wrong. And, 
you know, and sometimes success can find its way in your life, but you just got to make sure you don't, you don't get in your own way to, to not allow it to happen. And I'm speaking more toward just society in general, man. I mean, we just got to, you know, find the good in each other, but as, as athletes, you know, you got to find the best in yourself that will allow you to go out there and compete and, and know that, Hey man, Prince is a good wide receiver, raised a good wide receiver, but Hey man, you know, I deserve to be here too. And so that's how you and, and go out and compete. And, and, you know, so I always supported the, at my competition, which was weird because I came to Prince, the Cowboys, Butch Johnson and Drew Pearson. I mean, Butch Johnson, and Tony Hill quit talking to me. Drew Pearson was the was the best guy ever, man. He's like, hey, man, you, you can play 10 years in this league. Wow, I did. And, man, you got the talent to do this. You, you just continue to do it if the Cowboys let you go. And I remember that. I remember that motivating me when I went to the Niners. Uh, Drew Pearson was on my shoulder saying, hey, man, you can do this. And so that's and that's where I kind of learned it from. It. You got to encourage people to be the best they can be and let the, let the let the dominoes fall where they may. But I do remember that not to not to close our episode here with that one. But that was really impactful to me when Drew Pearson, a cowboy. I'm giving you credit. The real the 88. The 88. The real 88. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, okay. Now Michael Irvin be right here, tap me on the shoulder on that one. <laughs> now Ray, you know that I'm the real 88. Original, yeah. original one. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. There we go. That's a good one right there. But no, right. hey guys, the end. I mean, it was a pleasure. If you ever need me in the future, man, feel free. I, I'm, I'm available, man. Thank That's you. awesome. Hey, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and close this show out. You know, like, like we say at, at the end of every episode, Ray, what we say? Peace. Peace. Power. And power, y'all. Peace it is. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.